Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshake. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 80 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. On today's podcast, I got the opportunity to sit down for a second time with weightlifting coach Travis Mash. One of the cool parts of today's conversation was the topic of post-activation potentiation. Now, if you've never heard this phrase before, don't worry. While it sounds really scientific, here's the basic premise. If you lift something heavy, your body remembers that lift for a brief period of time. And during the very next lift you perform directly after, your nervous system will recruit more fibers, allowing you to produce more power and more efficient technique. So obviously this training idea can have massive implications when it comes to training programming in our pursuit of lifting big weight. Now, we discussed this theory along with many other topics related to training, Travis's recent venture back to school to pursue his doctorate, starting a new weightlifting program, and many more topics. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. Travis, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day right now to come on the Squat University podcast. Um, For everyone who did not get a chance to listen to our first podcast together, can you just give a brief introduction to who you are and all the work that you do? What's well, funny because who I am has changed recently. So I, I guess <laughs> now I am the uh, the head weightlifting coach at Lenore Ryan University, and um, I'm in grad school. And um, that's really and I still we still have Match Elite Performance, you know, the mm-hmm. website, you know, where we teach a lot of strength conditioning, powerlifting, weightlifting. So, but that's that. Some I still coach a lot of really really good weightlifters, and a lot of really good ones will be going to Lenore Ryan. So, oh yeah, um, that's a, that's a good summary. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure most people who listen to this should be following Mash Elite Performance on Instagram to see all the, the great weightlifters that you work with and everything. Um, I mean, there's been some huge changes in your life recently. When, when did it all come about that you were thinking about making this huge change to going back to grad school right now and getting your eventual doctorate? Well, my wife and I have been talking about it a long time. You know, I just wanted it to be the right situation. So I yeah. wanted to do a university program. Even when I was at Muscle Driver, I wrote mm-hmm. articles about you know, if we could, you know, ever get a good university system to where you know, the students could not just have partial scholarships. My, my goal is to, is to um, give 10 boys and 10 girls full scholarships at the school, uh, which luckily, since it's not NCAA, I can raise my own funds. And so That's I have awesome. the school has already told me, like, the amount of funding I can give. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, plus at a Division two school, you know, they can add on, like, um, you know, depending on how good someone's grades are and uh, depending on how your situation at home, they can, they, they'll give money too. So um, if I can raise enough money to finish the rest and do uh, 20 full scholarships, I'll reach my goal. Man, so. that's so awesome. Because at this time right now, I know there's a number of schools around the U.S. that have Olympic weightlifting as a club sport. I mean, that's where I started, uh, you right. know, with the Truman State Iron Dogs back in 2005. But there's not many that have it as an official school sport. How many are there right now that even have it? I know there's Northern Michigan, correct? And then we got Shreveport. Northern Michigan, Shreveport is like, they're, they're listed as a club. But yet I think they're, mm-hmm. I mean, basically they're a, a real sport. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Lindenwood, you know, they're, yeah, they're true. good. Yep, out here um, in St. Louis. And East Tennessee State. I think those are the – oh, you know, there's two new ones. I don't know the names of the schools. 
There's one and in Georgia, uh, I should know, but I don't. Um, and then there's one in, uh, oh, there's one near you, I'm pretty sure, like even Missouri. Or, anyway, there's a. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy to see that the sport slowly growing in that regards. And I mean, to have it to where a young athlete can get a scholarship and help yeah. them with going to school. Because I mean, everyone knows nowadays, as you're getting to know now also with going back yeah. to school, just how expensive school is. It's crazy. I'm so thankful that, you know, like not only can I provide this opportunity for weightlifters, but like, you know, I can get my school paid for it and yeah. I can actually and get a little salary. So it's, it's the yeah. perfect situation for like uh, my family and what I'm trying to do and my athletes. For sure. uh, I almost went to Northern Michigan. Um, uh, I was, they offered me the job and um, I turned it down and then they countered and uh, they made it tough to say no. Um, yeah. But, you know, I wanted to start my own, you know, brand new program you know, start my own culture. I've learned my lesson about trying to like, you know, take over cultures. It's really hard. So mm -hmm. I wanted, and my wife, you know, she didn't like the cold too. Really, <laughs> Neither does she's mine. the one who put the kibosh, right? So <laughs> my wife said she'll move anywhere with me south of here, but yeah. <laughs> not north. Yeah, so. for sure. So I know as you said, eventually you want how many, 10 boys, 10 girls to make up? Really, our goal is to have, um, 10 boys, 10 girls, and then another, and then enough students to have 10, because uh, you can do a co-ed team. Okay. So I, I think the goal is 30, you know, so uh, mm -hmm. my now personal you, goal is, is 20 at first. So. Do you already have some people that have started filtering into the program? Oh, or? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I'm hoping to start the fall with 20 is my goal. So yeah. um, we have that, at least that many people that were actively recruiting, and we haven't even, I haven't even gotten full bore into it, which is, you know the reason I reached out to you is yeah you know is to get the word out on the podcast and also for to sure. let people know that it's neutral like I'm not going to try to take people's athletes like for example if you're coaching someone you would remain their head you know way to the coach I'm not going to try mm -hmm. to I, I don't actually want to do that as you know a lot of I wrote about it last year like my goal is you know if I get them if I, if I if they improve nor Ryan enough to go to the Olympics I want you to go I stay on my family you know yeah. so um that's where that's I'm so at. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything I can do to help spread the awareness of something like this. Cause I mean, just to see the growth of Olympic weightlifting has been awesome. I mean, talking back when I first started Olympic lifting in 2005, which is funny how everything is connected here is you yeah. are working with Dr. Alex cook out at the university yeah. to, to sort of headway this new uh, Olympic lifting program. And he was the head of the Truman state iron dogs back when That's I so first joined in 2005. So it's like, everything's, you know, coming together. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Pretty crazy. You know, what's funny is that Alex and I went to school at Appalachian state together and we took our level USAW level ones back in like 1996 or something. Yeah. It was like, it's forever ago. And we took it with, um, Oh dude, I totally blanked out. He's from Australia. Oh, Lynn, Lynn, um, whatever. I don't remember later, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, so we took our level ones together and yeah. uh, now he's, he's, and then I did my level two under him. Gotcha. So, uh, I don't, you know, I'd already been senior as a coach, but I was like, you know, I wanted yeah. to get my senior international coach. Very so cool. you have to take your level two to get that. Yeah. So I took it under him and we became the best of friends at, at that thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Now when you guys were at Appalachian state was, was doc stone there? Cause I know Alex trained yeah. under doc stone too. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. That man so. has an impressive mustache. He does, and he's. Uh, I, t I I spoke at Wake Forest. Uh, uh, Lynn Jones, by the way. Sorry, yeah. he's a he is a 
legend in the sport. I just blanked out. But yeah, I, I spoke at Wake Forest recently, maybe two months ago, and yeah. I spoke after Dr. Stone. So I was super oh, nervous. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But he, he, uh, I learned a lot even now. Like he, um, he was talking about hypertrophy and how the difference in going to failure versus like using volume mm. and the, you know, the, the cross sectional, uh, space of the type two fibers were actually smaller with going to failure versus volume. So really you're getting bigger going to failure, but your slow twitch fibers were getting bigger. So interesting. Yeah. I've just seen you the study. Yeah. We don't sure. go to failure very often, but yeah. yeah, it was, it taught me, you know, even now he's still teaching me. So yeah, that's so interesting. So I, I guess any listeners right now, if you're into the exercise science world and you have not learned of Dr. Stone and all the crazy amount of awesome research that he has done since, I mean, we're talking decades of research, definitely look decades. him up in all the stuff, but talking about exercise science, that's one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on the show today because of the last blog article that you wrote. That was just amazing on the idea of post-activation potentiation. And to a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, that's a crazy big scientific word. I have no idea what that means. What I wanted <laughs> really to do not. is I, I wanted to dive into what that is for people today, like uh, how it can be applied, why it is so helpful to the training process, busting through plateaus and things like that uh, for the average everyday powerlifter and weightlifter. Right. So, so um, yeah, let's, let's talk about first, like what is PAP in general? I'm going to give you the scientific like definition and then I'm going to like break it down super simple, but it's like the contractile history of a muscle influences the mechanical performance of the subsequent muscle contract muscular contractions. Yeah. Let me make it simple. So if if I do something that's super heavy and then I'll do something lighter, my body is still recruiting the fibers. My neuromuscular system is still um, producing the force at the rate of which it was when it was going heavy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's more efficient lifting something lighter. And the cool thing to do is like, if you do, say you're going to squat, you know, doing like a heavy walkout first, you don't mm-hmm. even have to do the full motion, just something kind of similar mm-hmm. and it prepares the body. Or you could do like a, I like doing like a partial, like let's say like, um, or we did a snatch pull with a snatch. Okay. So a snatch pull doesn't, isn't very taxing at all. But what it does, if you say, say you're about to snatch 90% and you do a pull with 98%, mm-hmm. you're, you're, go, you're probably going to be more efficient with 90%. There, and the, the, the research is not 100% clear, you know, but in my experience, it's very clear, you know, but we're tweaking it. Right now we're doing almost my entire team is like playing with it. And yesterday, check this out. We did mm-hmm. jerks. Okay. Never in my entire career has the entire team set a PR on a jerk until yesterday. No the way. entire squad PR the jerk. Yeah. Interesting. What, so, so, so talking about the jerk, what was sort of the the step by step step protocol that you were using for their their planning that day? Well, without me looking, because uh, it's not in front of me. Like what yep. we did was, you know, you work up doing jerks. Like uh-huh. we even did some like. Um, we even did normal volume and I think we were working on a pause and a dip. So we're working on the movement at first and yep. then we worked up like the, once we did, let's pretend we did um, 75% for two sets of two, um, 80% for uh, two sets of one and 85% for two one. Mm-hmm. Then we worked on up and then what we did, um, let's say that the next one was 88%. We did a, we did a jerk dip squats with 93%. Mm-hmm. Then we did 88% for a regular jerk. 
Then we went to um, 100% on a jerk, and then we, we just kept working up okay. like that all the way until every single person on the squad set a personal record like that. So basically the idea with at least that wave that you were doing was the, uh, the dip drive that you're doing just has to be heavier than the attempt that you were going to take. Right. And right. basically the body is remembering how heavy that felt right. when you're doing something, a partial lift. And then when you go and lift a, the, the lighter lift relatively, your body's going to basically feel like it's lifting something more right. efficiently and more powerful. Right. Yes. It's not only going to recruit more fibers. It's going to recruit them at a much faster rate because it's still remembering the heavier jerk dip squats. Interesting. So it just makes things more efficient. And here's another thing that mm -hmm. I don't think that you can like measure in a study. We all know good and well, when you clean something and it feels light on your shoulders, you're probably yeah. going to jerk it. Mm -hmm. Same thing when you do out of racks. That's why a lot of people aren't very good out of the racks because it might feel heavier when you first, you know, pick yeah. it up. Yeah. But now you've done jerk dip squats and much heavier. It feels lighter. So mentally you're more prepared. There's that, mm -hmm. there's that element as well. How long have you been experimenting with this in training? My entire, you know, looking back in my powerlifting career is like, mm -hmm. that's all I did. I just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Like I would do, you know, a lot of people, you know, know me as like a, a West Side Barbell type guy. Yeah. But, you know, I did kind of, but what I would do is I would do his prescribed reps on squats. Um, and, you know, it might be say 60%. I'm just making this up. Yeah. 60% on bar weight and maybe 30% of bands. And I would do that, like say it was, you know, six or seven sets of two and then mm -hmm. i would keep working up to like a max double and okay. then i would take the bands off and then i would hit a pr with straight weight and mm. inevitably i hit prs right and left you know three rms two rms one rms you know um it was insane now i wouldn't use it near as much as i did i was totally an idiot and um i needed a, <laughs> i needed a coach to be like stop but yeah. What I would do is like, I would try to break over, you know, in a training block, in a 16 week training block, I would try to break over, you know, it was 75 different personal lifetime records as well, you yeah. know, and before that sounds crazy, it would be, <laughs> it could be like a five RM, a three RM, a board press, a floor press. And yeah. So, um, but I was constantly breaking it. Even in speed days, I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> it was the max, it was max effort. It was Bulgarian. Yeah. It was the, um, it was the conjugate version of Bulgarian method. Yeah. Well, you mentioned trying to break 75 different personal records. That was one thing I think in my sort of a couple of years ago when I started getting into a different form of training when I'm working 50 hours a week and running squat university, the idea of only, <laughs> it's a lot of hours, but the idea of only trying to max out as keeping your records, you know, right. it was just getting overwhelming. So the idea of, you know, just recording all of your lifts, you know, a double clean from the knee. And just recording right. that and then your next period of block training that you're doing, trying to break that record, it gives you just psychologically a different edge when you're approaching your training, when you're thinking about still maintaining PR lifts in every single type of variation that you can do. It keeps things fresh yes. almost. It's fun, man. You know, like I know when I first came to um, Muscle Driver and they, I started, some people were like coming off injuries and I helped them get better. And then I started, like, you know, teaching them kind of, my style of lifting, it was definitely, they, they thought it was way more fun than the traditional, like Glenn's were, you know, Glenn is very like snatch, clean jerk squat. It's very, you know, yeah. similar day in and day out, almost Bulgarian. And so, um, you know, adding the variances just makes it fun. And I, I tell you this, here's the truth. And, and now I've been in weightlifting two different blocks. I've been at the highest level and I've watched this sport eat people alive. I know that there are people out there right now 
will never do this sport again because it ate them alive. And like, if we don't start being honest as coaches and saying, yeah. we've got to find a way to make this fun and not so grueling, we're just going to lose more and more people to the point yeah. where our sport will dwindle down again. No, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. What, what, are some of the things, what are some of the things that you like to do in your training to mix it up, like you said, to make it more fun instead of, you know, the day in and day out grind of working up to a heavy single, backing off, doing a ton of, you know, load right. and day, in and day out volume work. That's just, you know, burning people out almost. There's, there's so many things like coming up with fun complexes. Like I will do um, a few blocks ago, we ended up doing the, the shankle complex. Yeah. It literally, it lit this energy in the gym, just people trying to, <laughs> you know beat their record on the single complex and like mm -hmm. all it is is a grueling complex so it's really it's doing what i want mm -hmm. but that was fun or like i knew you know morgan was um kind of mentally getting beaten so yeah. literally added in uh, a max clean from blocks this week because he loves to do it and i knew yeah. he would hit big weight and then now he's lit a fire again and on he goes and so knowing your athletes and what makes them happy is like important you know you know i think um if we would focus more on like what Brett Bartholomew talks about yeah. in, in his book, Conscious Coaching, I think we would all be better coaches if we would try to know our athletes individually and try to see like what makes each individual tick and then, um, and then trying to get buy-in in a different way. Too many coaches try to force them to buy into whatever the system is. They want them to bend to whatever their way of coaching is. And I think that's a terror. I think you're missing a lot of great athletes by trying to do that. Yeah. I mean, at least that's the way I look at it. Oh, I 100% agree. And that's where, you know, the art of communication, the fit, what Brett always talks about. Yeah. So key, just being able to sit down and talk to someone and understand where they're coming from, their history, their injury history. I mean, all those things right. to play when you're, when you're talking about creating a program for someone. Yeah. What do you enjoy? What do you not? Why do you not? Sometimes people don't enjoy stuff that they need to do, you know, but that's like knowing true. to balance, you know, I think it's important. I was talking to Anders Varner on mm -hmm. Barbell's Frog today. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about how he would like give himself what he loved along with something that he hated. And uh, I think a give and take the smart, you know, I know yeah. Morgan loves cleans from blocks. Does he need to do cleans from blocks? Probably not. I mean, clean, he cleans over 200 kilos at 16 years old, but it's, it's fun. Crazy. Yeah. If I don't make it fun, by the time he's 25, he'll hate the sport. So, oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I think there's so many examples of just really, really good lifters at young ages that we see and they're in it from 12 years old on. And then they get right. burnt out by the time they're 22 before they could really even reach what their max potential is just because they don't enjoy training anymore. They've gotten burnt out by all the, you know, consecutive training over the years that was not enjoyable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I saw it. Like in Thailand, I saw a girl who's a sweet girl who's a fabulous lifter, literally leave there disgusted with the sport. And I, I doubt we'll ever see her again. Cause I was, I was asking her, so are you going to American Open? She's like, Oh no, Oh no. I'm not. She's like, she was done. I saw it. And just, you know, like at that moment I knew I was like, I better, uh, you know, remember this happened and try to avoid it. So with mm -hmm. all my younger athletes, I'm trying to like, I got this young one, Hannah who's about to tear it up in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this podcast will, Hopefully it won't be out already, but, um, but like, but she's about to tear it up. And, um, uh, I've been, she's like every day she'll be like, I want to open at this. I want to open to that. I'm like, Hannah, you are 16 years old. You're going to lose your mind talking like that. Yeah. Why don't you just let's lift, embrace the process. Yeah. You know, think about, I love how you thought, you know, talk about the movement. Here's one thing you can control every mm -hmm. single day. I can work on my movement. I can control that. Yep. Maybe 
maybe at 85% it starts to break down. So mm-hmm. stick to 80. Yeah. And like if I focus on that, I promise over time, the personal records will come at a much faster rate. Yep. If I day in and day out think about, I need to hit this number, or in a few weeks I need to open up at this number, mm-hmm. this sport will chew you up and spew you out. You'll never make it to an Olympics ever. You'll never, you will hate the sport within three or four years. I mean, yeah. I see it. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch the, the elite lifters that get to the Olympic level, and then they remain at that level for a long time. They're amazing practitioners yes. at, at their technique. Every single right. time they're, they have an unyielding desire to just perfect the little things. You know, you see them all for a couple minutes doing bar warm-ups and, you know, making their, their first attempt at 40% just look um, perfect. And we often yes. think, especially these young athletes, they get so consumed with watching amazing lifts being done on the competition platform. And they, but they, they don't they, analyze it. They don't analyze they, they don't see that this athlete spent years and years. And even now that he's elite or she's right. elite, they're still spending 30 minutes warming up before they even get to their first rep because they're practicing all the small, you know, nuance right. repetitions over and over to make sure that when they do get on the stage, it's perfect. And while, well, I wish. Maybe, you know, while, while there may be a little bit of variation, as with everyone does, when they're living max attempts, the problems that we see are only minute. Yeah, because agreed. how you train bleeds into how you compete. 100%. If you watch the, when the Chinese team, uh, I wish you could come to a world championships and see. Yeah, I'd love to one time. Number one, when they walk into the room, it's like a different breed of human. Like, I don't oh, yeah. even think that they're human. <laughs> and to watch them warm up and watch them train and like their attention to detail mm-hmm. and how they're super quiet. They don't, you don't see them on their phones. You don't see them uh, chatting. Hold on. You don't see them. Are you there? Yeah, there we go. Oh, I think we just lost the right. visual for a sec. Somebody. Yeah. So um, they won't be chatting up. They're totally focused. And then mm-hmm. when it's over, you'll see them laughing and yeah. like um, having a good time, but they're so dialed in. Like, it's just, I like to just sit there and watch them with my mouth open being like, that, that's what we have to become. You know, we don't have to, I don't know what else they're doing. Maybe they're doing genetic manipulation or whatever. Yeah. But like, um, but like still like the way they train and the way they're dialed in and the way that they still do so much accessory work leading up uh, the way that they really want their whole body balanced, you know, from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we get so caught up in a movement having to lead to a bigger snatch and clean jerk that we forget some of the movements are about preparing our bodies to take that beating year in and year out. That's where we miss the boat sometimes. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's those who can really put as much emphasis into the barbell in 40 kilos and 50 kilos when they make those lifts look just as powerful and fast and clean and snappy as they attempt to do at 80 and 85 and 90%. Like those are the people that really have efficiency long-term and not only make a splash in the sport of weightlifting, but they stay there for a long time. Cause we've all seen those people that, you know, Oh, you win a national championship or you make a, you make a splash in the sport for a little bit, but then a year later you're hurt and they they don't stay long enough. It's usually because they're, they're so uh, keen on what's on the bar. And they don't right. think about the little things that really make the long-term efficiency of, of what you're going to do and your resiliency. Totally, especially when you're young because, you know, they, they're all so funny when they're so caught up about, you know, I'm going to win youth nationals. I'm going to win youth Pan Ams. I got news for them. Nobody cares that you're winning even <laughs> youth world. A few people. 
But if you win the Olympics someday, they'll care. If they yes. would just use that time to really focus on the movement, embrace the process, mm-hmm. then when it counts, it'll be, it'll be such a bigger payoff. You'll see kids kill it as youth, kill it as, as juniors, and then they're gone because they did not focus on the process and on the movement and learning why they're doing things. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I need to make this junior team. I need to medal at the junior, you know, Pan Ams. Do you? I mean, maybe, but like, let it yeah. be because it's part of the process and it happens versus obsessing about that and not obsessing about the movement. But if you're going to obsess about anything, obsess about the movement. Yeah. And a lot of people, they'll say that obsessing over technique uh, leads to a bad view uh, of the lift as a whole. But I really think when, when someone obsesses over technique, like you're going to win in the end. And of course, Absolutely. we're not always going to have perfect technique. You know, we're all human. But it's whenever right. you can work towards having perfection that right. essentially you're going to have, you know, you're going to be 10 steps further than when you were if you had not been obsessing that much. You know, I, I, I've been to in the last, like, I don't know, since, well, since this whole quad, I've been to every World Championships, to every senior Pan Ams, mm-hmm. to the Pan Am Games. And I promise every single athlete I saw obsessed over their technique. So, yeah. like, I, I didn't see anybody there laughing about their technique. Yeah. I saw like times where, you know, Maddie Rogers would hit what I thought was a beautiful lift and she's like yeah. scratching her head and watching her phone and trying like, and not accepting mediocrity, yeah. you know, or, or Kate or um, Harrison, like those yeah. dudes, I promise you, they obsess over their technique and their coaches obsess over their technique. You know, I got the same too with my young ones, you know, when it's light, you know, do it right. Yeah. And like, if, if you would just focus on that, and then I agree. When you're starting to go 93, 95, at that time you want to start to visualize and you got to start to shut your brain down a little bit. Yeah. But when it's light, I see too many people as they warm up, they're doing it mindlessly, they're talking, they're laughing, mm-hmm. and they're missing the boat, man. Those yep. warm-ups are not just to get the body warm, they're to get the movement pattern dialed in before it gets yes. heavy. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I always say, you know, those who obsess over technique tend to win in the end. And yeah. when you understand that entire process of it, and we're not here to lift for next month or next year, but it's lifting for life and the right. way in which you approach it. I mean, that's going to take you as far as you have the potential to the, you know, your God given talents. And if you are going about it the right way, like you said, don't think about, you know, the Pan Am team as being an end to itself. But when you really learn to fall in love with the process and the day in and doubt of training and really enjoying right. that, that's when your potential really comes to light. I'm with you, man. I'm, that's why I love to read and uh, watch your videos because I, I definitely agree with your philosophy. And, um, and the older I get, the more I agree. You know, I'm, I love to get strong too. Like I'm a big strength guy too, but it's got yeah. to be, be a combination. Like, it's, it's the you know, blend. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like get yeah. them strong, but it's, you know, strong without movement equals uh, not a team you say athlete. I promise that. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's whenever you find that right blend of, of having that technique uh, mindset and the idea of trying to perfect every single lift. And then you mix it with the innate desire of being a competitor and pushing right. big weight. Like when you find that mix, that's where, that's where it is. But the thing is nowadays we, we usually don't have to light a fire under an athlete to have that competitive desire to lift big weights. Agreed. I, know, I totally it, agree. It's most of the time holding him back just a little bit of being able to have the insurance, you know, you know, that how important technique is. And then when you, you know, you're able to give them that blend that they need to really take themselves to their max potential. That's good though. Use that as a carrot, you know, especially yeah. the young dudes, you know, mm-hmm. like that's why a lot of people know me. Is they know that I'm the strength guy and sometimes 
Um, I, there's a misconception because you see a lot of like PRs or big lips. You know, the thing that they don't realize is that we have youth and we have juniors and we have seniors. So mm-hmm. there's a, odds are somebody is um, going heavy almost at all periods of the time. But mm-hmm. but we're, if you come in there, like you know, if you want to ask Morgan or Ryan, do you go do you go heavy all the time? And they'll laugh. Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. You know, like if that's why I posted this video. It, it was back in uh, October, I think September, mm-hmm. October of Morgan when he first started with me versus Morgan now and like seeing his progression, seeing how he was always, I'll be honest, he was always pretty good at cleans, but he's gotten mm-hmm. a lot better. His yeah. jerk was terrible. Mm-hmm. His snatch was, you know, subpar. And like now his jerk, I, I would dare say, is at least as beautiful as his clean. Mm-hmm. And his snatch has come a long ways. And right now at this given time, we're still working until I think it's, perf- you know, perfect. You know, we're going to keep working on technique more than we're going to work on going heavy. Yeah. So. Now, you, you mentioned when, when working on technique, I mean, that's where also that post-activation potentiation can come in, right? Yes. So if, you have, if you have, like, in dealing with Morgan, and he's being less consistent, I guess you'd say with, like, you know, above 85%, you could technically right. work into training where he's doing a pull at 100%, just one pull, correct? Or would you do – Perfect. You just one, one or would you yeah. do multiple right? Like how, how do you, how does that work into training? That's funny. So this is the first week that we implemented, you know, this whole pull plus snatch for the whole team. Okay. And definitely after the first week, I would say one pull. Okay. You know, two, two, you know, cause as soon as you do something that, you know, that exhibits like um, potentiation, mm-hmm. fatigue is high too. And so mm-hmm. the more the key is to get as much potentiation with as little fatigue as possible. Mm. So by doing two reps, fatigue is so high that you have to wait too long. It doesn't flow as well. Okay. So like, you know, one big, you know, pull with, you know, the snatch, it, it's worked much better. So that's something that the entire team will, it will change next week as we start to, you know, we're, we're nine weeks out from junior worlds. So it's, mm-hmm. it's enough for me to play around a little bit. Yeah. So we'll go one more week. And if it, if it works out perfectly next week, we'll keep it for a little bit. If it doesn't, we'll ditch it until after juniors. But um, but for jerks, we, we did it perfectly. And yeah. so it, it was it was perfect. But you're right. If you want to get a, an efficient, um, you know, if you want to get a better technique, mm-hmm. do a perfect pull. So you do if you do even if you do a hundred percent one rep pull, mm-hmm. do it perfect. Like you know, stay over the bar a long time. Keep the bar in close. Mm-hmm. Keep your whole foot through the floor. Keep your chest up. Do it perfect. And then wait a minute, you know, we're, we're still playing around with how long do you wait in between and then, you know, do a snatch with a, with a perfect movement, trying to focus okay. on, you know, you slow, you can slow it down a bit with a pull. Yeah. And then when you do, when you do the full movement, like go and try to, you know, try to implement what you just worked on. Interesting. So I'm just thinking about for, for future training of myself, trying to add that in. Cause I, what I like doing is all these different types of things that we hear from the research and we hear from other people. The first thing I want to do is I want to implement it into my own training and get a feel for how it's, you know, how things go. I'm personally doing that right now with blood flow restriction and just learning not only with my own patients, but also on myself in my own training, how does it really feel? You know, cause you can read about something all day long in the research, but yeah. until you actually have physical and practical experience with it, it doesn't mean too much. What are your thoughts on blood flow restriction? You know, so far I I've enjoyed it. So in this again, so I have only delved into the research side of things and then I've been implementing it recently with a number of my patients. The idea behind it is that 
uh, with post-op patients. Let's say you have someone that just had a torn ACL. Right. And clearly there's a lot of swelling. There's, um, because of the pain levels, their muscles aren't going to activate nearly to what they could have been for. So let's say I had a torn ACL and they could have done a 400 pound squat. Well, clearly right afterwards, you don't even want to get over a barbell. Well, what happens is that because there's an inability to load the body right after an injury, um, you're going to often see a lot of atrophy. So that muscle is going to just decrease in size. Usually physical therapy, because we are unable to load the body, you do a lot of load load exercises. And that isn't always the most effective at increasing hypertrophy of the muscle early on. So the use of blood flow restriction is actually going to create changes uh, physiologically, like increasing uh, muscle protein synthesis eventually down the chain. There's so many different processes that happen. Uh, But by increasing muscle protein synthesis, you're actually going to augment that atrophy in a post-op patient to actually allow them to have uh, more hypertrophy during those stages. So you're going to get a better training effect early on when they cannot train heavy. So low load training with BFR is more beneficial than low load training itself uh, with someone early on. Now, I know there's also been a lot of research done on healthy athletes. Uh, For example, they would take athletes and have them do uh, like five sets of five at 70% of their wonder at max in a back squat. And then they would take them also and have them do that uh, and supplement it with low load uh, BFR with, uh, I think they were doing like leg extensions afterward. And they right. found that the group that was supplementing their heavy resistance training with low load BFR was, were finding uh, significant improvements in their one rep max afterwards, like really? after their block of training. Yeah. So there's that application. Uh, I think Ooh. there's some people that are actually using BFR with their heavy resistance training as well. So the idea would be to pump up your occlusion cuff to uh, like 80% of occlusion for lower body. And again, they're only going so much. The, the idea behind it is that we are decreasing the amount of venous flow, return of blood back to right. the heart, yeah. but it's still allowing their arterial blood flow. To go in, right. Yeah, and exactly. trapped. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not like a complete tourniquet where there's no blood flow in and out, but and here's my uh, practical experience with it. Um, I'm talking with the lower body, I would be doing sets of 10 to 15, holding like an 80 pound kettlebell. So not heavy at all. Right. It was the most intense muscle pump I've ever had is, is, is my feeling of, of what it felt like. So the idea is that it's increasing cellular swelling. Um, and I think there's also some research that's showing that usually with low load exercise, we're increasing or we're usually recruiting slow twitch muscle fibers first, right. correct? You usually don't increase or activate. But they need oxygen. Exactly. And right. they usually, we usually don't get uh, fast twitch muscle fiber contraction uh, until usually we're at a very high level of right. uh, resistance or a, a very fatigued state. And right. with blood flow restriction, you're allowing your body to recruit fast twitch muscle fibers quicker um, because of the hypoxic state that you're creating. Right. So it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot more that I need to dive into before I start. What I want to do is create some social media content uh, with the post or with the cuffs that I've been using and just talk about what is the science behind it? Um, what is the application for both uh, a physical therapy rehab standpoint? What is the application for a performance mindset? Because obviously there's a lot of healthy athletes like right. what can be helpful for, for someone that's that's training. Um, and then also 
really dive into the science of it. But like with everything I do, my goal is to really try to explain it in a way that every single person can understand. Cause I love too, that, often, yeah. too often today, people take all this research and they spit it out and people are like, I don't know half the stuff that you just said because right. you're talking down to me. So I want to try to create it. And that's where it's going to take a little bit of time to synthesize and really understand myself so I can then try to teach as, as well as possible. Would you want to do some research on, you know, our athletes? Like, I mean, I can't yeah. see it hurting for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, you know, worst case scenario, they get a massive pump and they can walk around looking cool, you know, for a while. But, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. That, that would be great. <clears throat> what, what I'm using it for right now, personally. So after this recent move, so, you know, I was in Kansas city for the past eight right. years and then recently we, we moved to St. Louis and in that transition time, there's everything that goes with the move. Training was just completely disrupted. I hadn't, uh, I didn't have the ability to get under a squat rack for like three weeks straight. So trying to do as much with kettlebells, like just com- training skin, just completely thrown off. So then trying to get back into it, like, obviously, as you know, you've probably experienced it. Your body just feels horrible for the first right. week. So my goal with, with using it right now, obviously I'm not an injured athlete, but what I'm trying to do is can I be as efficient as possible in the return process of being able to not lift as heavy as possible, right? Because I'm unable to lift what I used to, but can I be as efficient in my return? Can I make it more optimal as possible by using and supplementing oh, blood flow restriction? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So what I'm doing right now is just sort of a, a very gradual step-by-step, you know, program in my training, but then supplementing BFR three times a week with lower body and three times a week with upper body. Uh, yeah. with low load. So like 40% or less with, some you know, what? it makes me wonder if, if you could do that, like let's say you took a dude like Morgan and you could yeah. increase his one RM squat without him having to actually squat, you know, 250 kilos for three to five reps. What if you could do way less and, um, and, and still get an increase in strength yeah. that, and then, then you could use all of your, you know, you know all of your body's energy sources on snatch and clean injury. or not all, but, way more and then recovery can you know can be saved for like what's important yeah well i think the idea with using it in a in a healthy athlete population is saying that we don't have to push an athlete to overreach or overtrain too much uh, right. in their in their pursuit of that i mean if you think about yeah, it, especially with an olympic lifter i mean how how many days a week right now is morgan lifting six at 16 six, years old six days a week and and how many days of those are 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 heavy squat days uh, three to four, you know? three to four. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. And obviously there's, I don't know how much research application there is into Olympic weightlifting yet. So that would be a great understanding of like, how can we maybe still get a stimulus for improving muscle protein synthesis, improving without having strength to beat him up. without yeah. having to beat him up too much because he's already doing all this other work, you know, maybe instead of squatting and this is just in my head off the top of my head, you know, instead of squatting four times a week heavy, if we could do, you know, twice a week heavy, twice a week not as heavy, but do it with BFR. Yeah. So he's still getting a crazy different stimulus. You know, how does that translate out? And I think, I mean, obviously, we got to do some research. And with the connection that you have now, I mean, that's some. Yeah. Some it brings out some some really cool ideas. Eric, uh, I mean, uh, Alex could help us get get this done too. He could help me make sure I did it right. So yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he's he's had to have done some of this out there. I hope. If not, we're definitely going to. Yeah. So we have so many ideas about <laughs> yeah. what, what we want to do. What, what other ideas are you guys thinking about with, uh, with uh, your new school? 
Well, definitely, you know, post-activation potentiation. I want to do uh, research now, now blood flow restriction. But you know, <laughs> yeah. you know that you know the whole debate on plantar flexion. Like, how important is it to the pool? You know, mm. should you should you emphasize it? Should you not? Like, yeah. I just want to, you know, like, you know, I've never gotten into any of these debates. I've always stayed out of it. But you know, oh, that's the whole. Uh, are you talking about the whole? Like, do you uh, triple extend versus the catapult? Right, right. right. <laughs> I, I am not catapult. Sean Waxman is my buddy. I am. Yeah. I'm just a weightlifting coach, and like, yeah. you know, my theory is like, um, I don't, you know, I don't ever tell someone to go onto their toes. Mm-hmm. Normally, they do. You know, I definitely don't tell anyone not to either, though. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I think those are both extremes. I think if you finish violently with your hips, it's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see many people do a vertical leap and not, you know, come up and, you know, not, you know, create some type of plantar flexion but you know i want to see like if someone emphasizes it versus someone doesn't Mm -hmm. you know is there a difference i don't believe so but you know i want to find out i have a theory too maybe it's where you know the uh the the attack or i'm trying to say the um achilles tendon attaches you know does it attach you know way across the calcaneus or not you know maybe that's Mm -hmm. it maybe if it's three millimeters you know you plantar flex and if it's two you don't i mean like Mm -hmm. I want to find out. Like, um, I like it. these debates have gone on for years. It's just yeah. time to end it. Like, and they're like so fruitless. These, there's no fruit in any of these debates. So mm-hmm. my goal is to like, here's the truth. This is it. Let's, can we be quiet about it? Um, what are some of the others? Like, uh, I mean, really, Don, Don McCauley, um, rest in peace, and Sean, they really agreed on 95%. It's in that 5% that they were willing to kill each other. It was so funny. Yeah. You know, um, oh, like, you know, putting pressure on the middle foot, the toes, the heels, like what, you know, mm-hmm. people will say, some people on the jerk will say, you know, get back on the heels. Some people mm-hmm. will say, you know, you know, get on you know, the middle of your foot. Mm-hmm. I'm always a whole foot type of guy. I think, mm-hmm. you know, believe, I think if someone just you know pushes their whole foot through the floor, wherever the bar is sitting, that's where the, you know, the center mass is going to be. And so, mm-hmm. um, but we'll find out. Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting here. And, and that's the stuff that I love learning about is whenever you're in a position that you can continue doing the research that you want to do. That's right. what it's all about. I remember whenever I got out of, out of school, finished with my doctorate and I got out and I would hear all my classmates saying, Oh, I'm done reading research. And I was like, are you serious? You're now at a point where you can read all the research that you want to in whatever topic, like you don't have a presentation next week that you have to do or some other BS homework and regurgitate some information that you had to memorize for school. Like now you get to actually sit down and you can read whatever you want and dive down whatever rabbit hole, which is clearly what I did in in so many different things. Yeah. 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 So now my, now my rabbit hole that I'm diving down is the application of BFR with healthy and with in, in rehab of athletes. Because the big thing is, you know, you always see these different, I would call it, um, an adjunct to training, right? An adjunct right. to rehab, whether it's a passive modality or, or a style of training. And my first step whenever I see something like that is to always just take a step back and just, just see how things are going. See how right. people are responding to it, what type of research is getting put out. Um, I usually try not to be someone that's the first to jump on anything. Me you know? too, and, man. And I also yeah. wanna, I wanna also test it on myself and with my patients before I ever talk about anything. Just Can I because, give it, you know, yeah. I mean, if you don't have any don't experience with it. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, well, like, you know, if you're not careful, like, you'll form an absolute. 
and you'll have these people are willing to absolutely hate someone over something that they can't prove. And even if you like logically prove that they're wrong, mm -hmm. they'll still like, they'll argue to the day they die. I mean, I saw Don do it literally. Yeah. But like, um, my point was this with the both of them. I'm like, you know, Don as he has trained athletes from the beginning mm -hmm. all the way to the world championships and beyond. Sean has, has coached athletes from the beginning all the way to the world championships and beyond obviously they're both mm -hmm. pretty good so yeah you know i feel like we should find the common ground and not really worry about these little nuances but yeah, yeah. Then, then they got mad at me for trying to like you know talk them both down so i was like i quit you guys <laughs> kill each other you know yeah i i don't think uh life is 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 long enough to have these these kind of conversations where, where you're just no arguing all the time i'm like you know what and that's the same thing like when people will make comments and try to argue with you online and on us across social media i'm like you know what yeah. if you're mad enough uh to comment to go on someone's post and comment something negative to really start an argument there's yeah. probably something going on in your life and you know that's not my place to judge and i'm gonna be empathetic i'm not gonna argue back that's not my place because we're, we're not gonna win an argument over over facebook you know i've watched <laughs> people like do that to you and i always scratch my head i'm like yeah. this guy is is helping so many people and giving away so much free information mm -hmm. and it's really you don't even run that much of a business through your your thing you literally nope. just tell people you're still in the clinic setting mm -hmm. how can you be mean to him i just babbles me that people like you don't agree that's fine but like is it worth yeah. getting on there and saying a negative <laughs> comment to yeah. a dude who's giving away you know you know more free content than anybody i know mm -hmm. anyway that's just yeah. i like it baffles me too man like all this <laughs> like being mean to each other like yeah i'm you'll never catch me doing that so. yeah i mean the only thing we can do is just keep our head where it's at and just keep trying to do yeah. what we do yeah i mean your million followers says enough <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm actually thinking of one comic just the i saw a few months ago someone uh -huh. on, on top of you and i'm like man like, <laughs> yeah like get, go away so. it, yeah it, i know when i first started squat university back in 2015 and my my coworkers can definitely attest to this like it it definitely irked me when people would make make a, a really mean comment or really be judgmental just because you're like i put a lot of heart and soul and a lot of hard work into creating this and then, yeah. you know, this is something that I've not only been working with patients in the clinic for years, but I, you know, I've done all this schooling and education and I know this is my truth and I'm trying to put it out there to help other people. Yeah. And it, you're just completely tearing it down and calling me Stupid. a liar and all this. And it's, you know, at first it, it makes you really want to come back and be defensive. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been a learning process in the way in which I approach social media nowadays. Cause really, you know, when I see someone make a comment like that now, it, it really is something that. I hear them, but I don't hear them in the same regards. You know, you, you really yeah. try to, you, you want to understand what people are saying and how they're, how they're taking things because you always want to see if you can learn something from maybe the way in which you sit it wasn't the best, but in the same regards, like you don't want to let anyone's judgment of you impact the way in which you're going about no. your life. You know, man, I don't care. Yeah. I've, you know, there was definitely when I was younger when I was an athlete, like mm -hmm. I would get, I would get super mad, like to the point, of being i wanted to be violent with people yeah. you know like but now i'm like whatever i laugh you know like people yeah. there's um I, I never get on reddit you know people all <laughs> i mean there was one time like you know they were like uh masses athletes are inconsistent and then there was a week where we competed at uh junior junior pan ams and then we had we actually our team won the youth nationals 
And as a team, we went like 78% for our, you know, yeah. made, made attempts. Yeah. And so then I, I joked and um, I put on my Instagram, I'm like, I wonder what uh, Reddit will say now. And then, <laughs> then they're like, then they were like, oh, he goes heavy too often. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So I'm like, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, uh, I, did, I sure didn't see you there. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. A lot, <laughs> a lot of keyboard warriors. That's for sure. Bro, this time. You know, like, I love what, um, I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk's song. And sure. uh, I love what he says about what you just said about the whole, you know, don't worry. If you can get past being judged by others, like, your life yeah. will be much better. Like, I'm way past that. Yeah. I, I definitely I definitely agree with what he says. And it's it's, when you take a different mindset, it totally makes – going about social media a much better place you know so you don't worry about like oh gosh i wonder what they're gonna say if i say x i'm like, i don't care yeah. say what you want yeah. like all, all i know is this i've had 23 team usa athletes since 2015 how many have you so yeah. like you know beat me go beat yeah. me and then you can talk all you want otherwise yeah. i don't care <laughs> you so. speak your truth do what you do and let history be the judge right man let the results you know let the results judge me. You know, exactly. if my athletes suck, then I suck. Okay. <laughs> they don't. So, exactly. I mean, exactly. yeah. Yeah. All right, Travis. Well, it's been a good hour. I definitely want to respect your time. So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you. I definitely want everyone that's listening to this show, uh, go check out the new uh, weightlifting program. Is do you, Will you guys have like a club page on Instagram or things like that we, where people we, can learn about it? We will for now. You can, if you're interested, you can uh, just email me at masterleteperformance at gmail.com. Um, by the end of the week, it'll be travis.mass at lr.edu. But for right now, if you, you know, uh, I don't know when this will air. So either one, I'll probably try put it both. next week sometime. So try both and uh, email me and we'll get you started. Um, we're going to be doing fundraisers within the next couple of weeks, I'm working on that. And, uh, you know, if you, you guys can go to MasterLeague.com. There is a, a section where you can like donate. We have a nonprofit and like, I can tell you this, whatever money you donate to our nonprofit will 100% go towards scholarships and, and the weightlifting program. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. It's always a blast. All right, man. All right. Until next week, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.